Welcome to the Good Word Podcast, a sermon podcast from Emanuel Lutheran Church in Missoula, Montana, a congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. We follow the Revised Common Lectionary, a series of selections from Scripture for each week in the church year that is used by many Christian churches around the world. I'm Pastor Molly Sasser-Gainer. And I'm Pastor Rebecca Cochran. Thanks for joining us on this podcast. Connect with us in person at 10 a.m. on Sundays or digitally at imluchurch.org. We're also active on Facebook and Instagram. Through the month of October, we will be celebrating Emmanuel's 125th anniversary. If you tune into our live stream, you'll hear scripture and sermons that help celebrate Emmanuel's ministry all month long. Today, we have invited our guest, our guest preacher, Bishop Lori Jungling of the Montana Synod, to join us on the podcast and share the good word of God's Spirit moving throughout time and space all over the world and here at Emmanuel throughout the 125 years of our ministry in the Missoula community. This is our final week of celebrating our 125th anniversary, so next week we will be back to sermons by Pastor Molly and me, Pastor Rebecca. Before we get to our good word for the week, Bishop Lori was gracious enough to sit down with me for a few minutes to share about her work as bishop and about the Montana Synod. So welcome to the good word, Bishop Lori. Thank you, Pastor Rebecca. And my first question for you is, what is the role of a bishop? Um, the, the role of the bishop, well, that's a long and convoluted answer, <laughs> but I'll try to keep it simple. Um, I think of the role of the bishop as being a bridge between um, congregations, um, the larger synod in which we live, as well as the uh, church-wide office, the ELCA. And so some of the roles that I play as bishop are as, as preacher and um, presider at Holy Communion, but I also oversee those things. And um, it used to be a long time ago, bishops were responsible for going to congregations and making sure that each of the pastors and each of the congregations were um, hearing the word properly and living it properly, understood law, gospel, all that stuff. Now, I don't do that anymore. I don't sit there with an evaluation sheet. But part of what I do is I go out to congregations and ministries and I preach um, the gospel and, and the law and I um, meet and connect with people. I also am the one who um, steps in when there's some conflict happening in a congregation. Um, and it's not just me, it's my staff. I am the president or CEO of um, the Synod, and so I sign my name on things when we have to do make legal decisions. Um, I connect the Synod to the wider church by being a part of the Conference of Bishops, um, and also, you know, even um, being a leader in the worldwide Lutheran communion uh, in certain ways. I'm an ecumenical connection and a bridge in that way so that I, um, uh, the one, I'm the one who connects with our ecumenical partners as well as our interfaith partners. So um, those are some of the things I do. There's a lot of things that most people consider administration, um, you know, signing forms and changing rosters and all this stuff. Uh, but that's necessary. And then um, I'm also one who am, uh, particularly now that we don't have as many pastors in congregations, am a resource where congregation leaders and, and pastors call and when they need advice, guidance, support, those types of things. So the staff and I do that too. 
That's really wonderful. Thanks for sharing a little snippet of your mm -hmm. job. I can't even imagine all of the many things that you, you spend your time doing, and we're so grateful yeah. um, for how you do act as that bridge between us and other congregations, the Synod, and the wider church. Um, mm -hmm. So thank you You're for welcome. all of your work. Yeah, I'm glad. Yeah, I'm, some days I'm glad to do it, and some days it's harder, but uh, I can imagine. it's a call, and, and um, it's something I'm called to do right now anyway. So. Well, amen. We're thankful for you. So how do individual congregations and ministries fit into the Synod? And why in your, especially in light of your job, why is it important that we are connected in that way to the Synod? Okay. Um, well, the word Synod actually means walking on the way together. Oh. Uh, and so as the Montana, and I always add Northern Wyoming of course, Synod, of course. we've got five congregations there. All of the congregations are connected to the synod because all of them together are the synod. Mm -hmm. And so we can't be the synod without the congregations. And so um, they are automatically brought together as, as the synod simply by being part of the, the ELCA in this area. But we're not just doing our own thing in our own place. We are called to do something in particular, which is proclaim, um, you know, proclaim the gospel, live out the love of Christ in the world. Um, and, uh, and so how can we do that in ways that um, intersect with one another, recognizing the particular gifts and uniquenesses of each congregation in their context, um, while at the same time kind of walking the same path together, the path of Christ, the way of Christ. And so what we have been working on for the past few years as a Senate council and as a Senate is um, this idea of walking the way together to equip one another for the ministry of the gospel. Um, and notice I said one another. It's not just the bishop who tells congregations what to do. It's how can we equip each other as, as members, as um, people, as congregations, as ministries to do this work where we've all been called to do together. So um, that's why this matters, is we need each other. We are the body of Christ together, and we need each other. I need you as Emmanuel Lutheran Church and as Pastor Rebecca and all the people here. Um, and yeah, you need me, but you also need your partners across the Synod. And so we're not silos. We do this as community. Definitely. And especially, I mean, Montana, Northern Wyoming is just such a huge geographical area. And so to think about all the gifts and diversity that exists across that, exactly. that geographical area is pretty yeah. amazing. Yeah. And, um, and, so and, sometimes here in our little valley, we get, um, sometimes it can feel a little isolating. Exactly. But to remember that um, we are connected to so many other congregations and ministries throughout yeah. the state and northern Wyoming. And we can learn so much from each other and we can see the Holy Spirit working in, in other places and be empowered by that as we serve and do the work of the ministry of the gospel here in, in whatever location we are in. Well, and speaking of the Holy Spirit, who brings us the good word, today we are blessed to have you as um, our guest preacher today. And so, Bishop Laurie, what is the good word this week? The, this week, the good word comes from 1 Peter um, uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. And it's not from the Revised Common Lectionary. It does help us conclude the celebration of Emmanuel's 125th anniversary. And it calls us forward to continue to follow where the Holy Spirit is leading us into future ministry. And here's the reading from the NRSV. 
Rid yourselves, therefore, of all malice and all guile, insincerity, envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Come to him, a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, See, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. To you then who believe, he is precious. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the very head of the corner, and a stone that makes them stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobeyed the word, as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Happy 125th anniversary, Emmanuel Lutheran Church. I thank God today for you and for all the people of this congregation and all that they've done throughout the past 125 years to participate in God's work of sharing the love of Christ with all. And I know that's your mission statement. On this special day in the life of the congregation, I bring you greetings from the many congregations and ministries of the Montana Synod and the ELCA. They stand here with you in spirit and prayer, thanking God with you for the ministry of Christ's gospel that you have done together for 125 years. And on behalf of the Montana Synod and the ELCA, I also say thank you for your continued presence and ministry and service to your neighbors in this part of Western Montana. And I thank you for all the gifts that you have shared with one another, with your community, and yes, with the Synod. We appreciate those gifts. You are indeed a beloved partner with Christ's church in the ministry of the gospel. Grace to you and peace from the Trinity, creator, redeemer, and spirit of love. Amen. Come to Christ, a living stone, chosen and precious in God's sight, and like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. This invitation from the author of 2 Peter that we read earlier reminds me of an illustration that one of our speakers at the Senate Assembly in June shared with us. I want you to close your eyes. I know that's weird, but I want you to close your eyes. And in your mind, picture a building. What does the building look like? What kind of building is it? Study that building for a second as if you had to describe it to someone. Now switch the image and picture a house. What does the house look like? Study the house for a bit and then switch the image and picture a home. What does the home look like? 
Finally, one more image. Picture a home in which all people, and I mean all, are welcomed with open arms, all belong, all are loved, and have hope, and get to bring their full selves to their home. And now add God to that picture. Okay, you can open your eyes now. As a reflect on the images, what did you see? How were they different from one another, and how were they the same as you looked at each one? What changed as you moved from picture to picture? I'm guessing a lot of things changed. But I want to focus in on that last image for a bit. The home where God dwells and all are welcomed, are loved, and all belong. That's the home that King Solomon was trying to build for God in the Hebrew scripture text from 1 Kings today. A home on earth where God comes near to the people and all are welcome to bring their full selves before God and share their prayers and be forgiven and be welcomed. Now there's a bit of a backstory. It's actually a long one, but I'm not going to tell it all. In the longer prayer that Solomon prayed that day, long time ago, he asked for God to listen to the people and to forgive them when they turn away from their sin and back towards God and the earthly house that Solomon had just built for God. And when you see some of the sins that Solomon lists in the rest of uh, 1 Kings 8, you can see that he's asking a lot, a lot of God in this prayer. And he's asking a lot of this building too. Because for Solomon, this temple is more than just a building, more than a house, more than even a vacation home for God when God's on earth. This is to be the place where the people turn to God, relate with God, speak with God. Especially, believe it or not, when they sin and turn away from God. Solomon asks God to hear and welcome them anyway and forgive them. So in many ways, this home that Solomon built isn't just for God to dwell. It's a home with God for the people of God. But one thing that Solomon is clear about as he prays is that an earthly building, house or home, even church, cannot contain God. But will God indeed dwell on the earth, he asks. Even heaven and the highest heavens cannot contain you, much less this house I've built. You know, often when congregations celebrate their anniversaries, they give a history of their building and the things in it. Sometimes they include a history of the pastors who served, but they don't always include the ministry, the service acting, if you will, that the people of God of that congregation have done throughout the years. Instead, a lot of the focus seems to be on the building. But God's home is never a building. God never only lives in one earthly house of worship, nor is confined to a singular group of people on earth. Rather, as Solomon states, God's dwelling place is the whole universe and beyond, the heavens and the highest heavens, and even outside of all of creation. Even Solomon's grand temple that he built for God's presence was not God's home. And when it was destroyed by the Babylonians, God's home was not harmed. 
And when it was rebuilt and destroyed again hundreds of years later by the Romans, God's home was not harmed. God's home remained and remains even today, whether our church buildings are here or not. God's people were not destroyed either. They were scattered and spread out across place and time. But God's people remained in new and ever-changing communities that look different in every generation. I mean, think about it. Is Emmanuel Lutheran Church the same today as it was 10 or 25 or 50 years ago? Of course not. The people, the community, the building is different than what it was before. Today is also Reformation Sunday, the day that we remind ourselves that the Holy Spirit is always reforming God's church and that new life always emerges out of the old. Reformation, transformation, that's a part of who we are as Lutherans. But sometimes we forget this truth. Sometimes we try to confine God to a specific place that we call home, or a specific time when the church was growing, or to a specific people we call our family. Sometimes we turn buildings into idols and humans into gods, false gods. And that actually is what was happening at the time that Jesus came. The people, especially the religious leaders, were worshiping the temple and creating rules that prevented some people from even being allowed to turn towards the, the temple to pray. Many people in Jesus' day were not welcomed into the house created by ultra-religious of that time. And that's why Jesus often talked about tearing the temple down in three days and, and him becoming the cornerstone of God's new home on earth. For you see, in Jesus Christ, the God's fullness was pleased to dwell. And God became fully human and lived among us. In other words, in Christ, God no longer needed a building to be God's home. God came to us in the living, breathing, loving, welcoming person of Jesus Christ. And suddenly, God's home was a person dwelling here on earth with us, bringing God's kingdom near in who he was and what he did. And after Jesus died, and rose again, God's Spirit birthed the body of Christ, which is God's home on earth. And it took on a much different form. The form of that spiritual house that Peter describes. A spiritual house built by the Holy Spirit using living stones that are us. The royal priesthood of all those who trust and commit to living Christ's way. At Pentecost and for the past 2,000 years, God's home has not been a building or a house of worship, but instead has been the community of Christ, gathering to hear the gospel proclaimed, receive the sacraments, be formed and grown in faith, praise and pray to God together, taught to love one another in the church community and beyond into the world. The church building was perhaps an important means to this end, but the building was not the church. The congregation, the people of Christ, living as the body of Christ, is the church. You remember that old hand game? You know, the one where you would um, put your fingers together and say, this is the church, this is the steeple, 
wears all the people and that's when the fingers were outside and then there's um, another version where the fingers are inside and you say this is the church and this is the steeple there's all the people and the fingers are there representing the people well, I think God is doing a new thing in our time and place. I think the Holy Spirit is opening up some doors and tearing down some walls and building a new home for God beyond the buildings. I wonder if the new home for God might look more like when we put our hands together and we say this is the church and this is the steeple and here's all the people fed by Christ's gospel and then we make those fingers, those people move out into the world leaving the building to serve the rest of God's people in their communities and across the nation and world. And we may have a building and take care of it as a place for worship, for hearing the gospel of Christ, for receiving Holy Communion, being formed in faith and equipped for ministry. But we are called to follow the Spirit of Christ into the world, to bring Christ and his love to people beyond the walls. Now, believe it or not, Emmanuel, you have been participating in the Spirit's home-building process throughout the 125 years of your existence. You've worshipped and prayed and experienced God in this building and other buildings before it. You've had various pastors proclaim the gospel to you, feed you with the Lord's Supper, pray with you, teach you the ways of Christ, help form your faith. You've been baptized and confirmed and married and cared for and even supported as you had funerals for loved ones and sent them into God's loving care. But you, the people of God at Emmanuel, have also been bringing the gospel out into the world where God and God's beloved live. Think of the many ways throughout your history that you've reached beyond the building and your own congregation to fill your mission statement, which is to share the love of Christ with all. And I love that with all part because it describes a community of accompaniment, not paternalism, a home of spiritual nourishment for you and for others, even as you reach out into the community to feed others. What are some ways that you have lived out your mission and vision statement? For example, I heard from one of the interviews on, on the history section online on your website about how the ladies' aid used to knit clothing for the troops going overseas during the World Wars, and how they were the ones who called on new members. I heard about the New Year's Eve potluck dinners and the giving of thanks to bring in the new year. I've heard about the regular work you do every three to five years of developing a strategic plan. And I studied, studied the latest version of that plan. I heard about the addition of the solar panels to your roof in the shape of a cross, no less. And of course, we can't forget about those Scandinavian smorgasbords, where you made sure that everyone who wanted it was filled with the spiritual gifts of lutefisk, lefse, meatballs, and yes, of course, coffee, while Camp Imlu and the wider community were financially supported through the funds. I noticed the theme of this celebration is generations of generosity. And I'm thinking there are a lot of stories of how you have lived out this theme and your mission of sharing Christ's love with all. If you have a chance, 
I'll turn to, a, turn to somebody and share a story or think about a story. And I hope the conversation can continue for as I conclude today, there's one more thing we need to talk about. The next 125 years. We don't know the future of Emmanuel Lutheran Church. We know there are exciting things happening right now at Emmanuel in this time of discerning what Christ's church will be in the future. We know that the Holy Spirit is opening up possibilities for ministry that you haven't even dreamt yet. But I also know that whatever the future is for this congregation, God is with you, dwelling with you, loving you, and welcoming you into God's home in Christ. You are not alone, Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Missoula, Montana. You're part of the wider church, Christ's church, and you're part of the Montana Synod. Christ, your shepherd, is still calling you to be his sheep and to follow his voice into a new life that only he can give, and nothing can snatch you out of Christ's hand. The Holy Spirit is present in this place, breathing into you, the spirit of love, forgiving your sins, growing your faith, and empowering and equipping your congregation so that you can welcome and care for and share Christ's love, even as you hope for a future yet unseen. All you have to do is imagine what is possible in Christ. So today I send you forth into God's future with this blessing. May you always welcome all into God's home. May you live the new life of your next 125 years with Christ's love for those in and beyond this congregation. And may you never forget that it is Christ's love that you share with all, even as it is the God of Jesus Christ who has welcomed, loved, and given hope to you. Thanks be to God for Emmanuel's 125 years of ministry. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Good Word Podcast, and thanks for joining us in celebration of Emmanuel's 125 years of ministry. Be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast so that you never miss an episode. We'll be back next week with another Good Word. Until then, many blessings to you.